The Toronto Maple Leafs hope to carry over the successful All-Star weekend into the second half of the season. The LA Kings have a new coach and are looking for a new direction. And the Ottawa Senators hope they can turn things around in the second half. We've got all that and a lot more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Gil Martin here. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the co-host of Locked On Leafs, Dave Morissuti. And a busy weekend for Toronto and the Maple Leafs organization. Let's start with the All-Star game. Uh, you know, Team Matthews getting the, the win. A very Leafs-centric weekend. What are your thoughts and what did it mean to the Leafs organization? Yeah, I mean the All Star game. The last time the All Star game was in Toronto was over 24 years ago, so it 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 meant a lot. Obviously, you know what what hockey means to the city and everything like that. And you know, you get all the stars there. It, it, you know, you don't really feel it until they start setting everything up. They had like the fanfares. You had the draft, the return of the draft too. That was you know a big one too. It, it was a great experience. I know that some people, everyone has critiques on the all-star game but i think everyone in attendance was raving about it especially with how the game turned out and i know that i mean the leafs were happy with especially the justin bieber connection having the celebrities there i thought i thought the nhl put a more put more effort into it than we've seen in years past i know they've tried you know with vegas trying to bring the vegas flair florida with the floor like doing the things outside I think I like that they just kept everything how an all-star game should be. You know, it, it seemed like in past years they were trying too hard. This didn't seem like they were trying too hard. There were, yeah, there were some fumbles. There were some things that didn't work, but I think there was a lot that did work out well for the league. As far as the Leafs are concerned, I mean, having team Matthews win it, having, uh, you know, the MVP of the game. What was the most Leafs-like moment? What was the best moment for Leafs fans in your mind? I mean, the best moment, I mean, it had to be seeing Matthew score those patented goals, right? You know, that that's, I know that everyone, especially after the game, some of the players were like, you know, Toronto doesn't win. So it's good that they finally got a chance to experience that. I, you know what? You take those, you just take it when the when those are thrown out at you, you have to take it. And it, it just goes to show just, you know, Austin Matthews, we always complain sometimes that stars maybe don't put their best foot forward. And then Kito Kucherov, <laughs> throw that one out there. Um, but it meant something to them to be able to, at the end of the day, it was the Toronto guys who played a prominent role in winning it. I mean, there were some, a lot of other players, namely on the Islanders, Mr. Matthew Barzal, who had a very good showing at the uh, this weekend. And, you know, that's what it is. It's it's about the stars. It's about giving the home crowd something to cheer about. 
there's a reason why these guys are among the top players, right? So when you see Matthews score those goals, I mean, the goaltending in this three on three was incredible. Like you, the Bobrovsky save on, on Marner, Marner throwing the glove. It, it's nice. You know, there's competitiveness, but you're able to have a little bit of fun. I think that's the biggest thing you take out of it is that there was some serious competition, but there were some moments of, there was moments of levity to go along with it. You mentioned fun three game winning streak before the all-star break. What's been different. Why has this team uh, been better recently? You know what? I'm going to give credit to the guy between the pipes right now, Elias Samsonov. A month ago, nobody wanted him in the net. He didn't even want to look like it didn't look like he wanted to be in the net. They they did the right thing of giving him time away, you know, work out some things. And I think the team realized they need to play more confident in front of him. I think there was a lack when you're when you're unsure of how your goaltender is playing. You're going to be trying too hard. You're going to be doing things that outside of what you should be doing to, I think, compensate for that. But with Samsonov looking like he has since returning, that's what you need goaltending. You like you look at teams that are struggling this year, even teams that are good on paper like Carolina. If you don't have the goaltending, it doesn't matter what you have in front. That, that last line of defense has to be there. So I think that's the big one right there. They're, they're not, you know... They're not high scoring games either. These have all been, you know, they've allowed two or less during this point. I think that's the big one there. Yeah, they were blowing a lot of leads, but they were sitting on leads, which is not what you want to do. If you have a lead, you can't defend a lead for 30 minutes. I know some teams maybe are built that way. The Leafs are not built that way. The Leafs are built on skill, putting up the offense production, maintaining puck possession, and, and, you know, your goaltending has to be there. When you don't have the defense, obviously, that everyone says the Leafs defense in terms of all the other contenders is lacking, and there's no argument there. There's a lot of question marks there. Your goaltending has to be there, and it, and that's that between that and the timely scoring, I think has been a big improvement lately. So the race in the Atlantic Division right now, very tight. Leafs right in the middle of a of a big chase with Tampa Bay, with Detroit. Trade deadline is about a month away. What do you expect the Leafs to do, if anything, come trade deadline? I am the big one here, and it's been said since Bradshaw Living took the job that defense needs work. The problem is I don't know how much Bradshaw Living is, A, going to be willing to spend, and B, He's not one to make huge. He he says that he tries to not make too many changes in season. He is more so in the off season, and he came a little late to the fold here. Had to get some contracts done with with Matthews with Nylander. My thinking here is you need to improve that blue line, but to go out and spend assets on rentals, I don't think that's what this Leafs team should be doing. This is not a one last crack of the can for this team. They want to be able to sustain as contenders. So if you are trading assets like a first rounder or one of your top prospects, it better be for something that's going to be here for a while, right? This is not like what Vancouver did with the Lindholm trade or what even Winnipeg did with, I mean, with the Monaghan uh, trade, you need something that's going to sustain you for a little bit because this Leafs team has a lot of holes and so if you go out and you spend a bunch of assets and it doesn't work out, now you go into the summer looking to make improvements to the team 
and you don't have the assets to do it. So are there some players you think that they'll target or uh, or even a type of player that they'll target? Well, Elliot Freeman says that any defenseman that's available to leave sorry in on. Like, if there's a defense, if your team has a defenseman, the Toronto Maple Leafs are calling about them. The one that everyone's talking about right now, and there's a little bit of the Bradch Living connection from Calgary with Chris Tanev, that's the ideal defenseman that they need because they don't have that trustworthy. And Sheldon Keith made this very clear. He doesn't have as many players that he can trust in those crucial moments of a game. Chris Tanev fits the billing as a guy who's trustworthy, can play solid in his own zone. A lot of guys have not played to their potential. TJ Brody's taken a step back. There's, you know, Sheldon Keefe has called out Timothy Lilligren, one of the rising blue liners on this team that's sort of still finding his way, but I think maybe a little unfair pressure being put on him. But they need a defenseman. Chris Tanev is the one guy that I think a lot of Leafs fans are hoping for. Unfortunately, I don't know if they're going to be able to pay the price that all the other teams are looking to get. So is there an alternative if they can't pay the price? Well, I mean, I've heard names like David Savard out of Montreal because he is signed for next year. Maybe the price can get a little lower, although I don't know if I envision a Leafs a Leafs trade with Montreal. That's just, it seems wrong, but I mean, you, if a guy's available, you got to go and make the deal. So there's him. But other than that, like there's not one that I can say, this is the guy they need to get. Tanev checks off most of the boxes. I don't know if there's really another guy out there. And look, that could change, right? You know, if Seattle goes into a little bit of a tailspin, do they have a couple guys? Borgen is one guy that I know is out as names floated out there. Adam Larson's name has been thrown out there for some. Those are the sort of guys, right? Guys that you know can bring that top, help you in your top, your top six, preferably in your top four. Play solid defensively, bring you that that tough style of play on the blue line that you're going to need for the playoffs. All right, Dave, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. You can look up Locked on Leafs there. Follow us on YouTube. Uh, subscribe wherever, you, you know, on YouTube there. And you can follow us on X at Locked on Leafs and also myself at the underscore Morisuti. Dave, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. We're past the halfway point of the season, hockey fans. But regardless of where your favorite team is in the standings, I want to remind you that you could win big playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether studs like McDavid, Ovechkin, or McKinnon will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in a given game. To win a 100 times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, hockey fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily daily fantasy hockey with sleeper, so start paying attention. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability.
It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On LA Kings, Eddie Garcia. And Eddie, turbulent times right now in LA. And I guess, you know, Todd McClellan out, Jim Hiller, now the interim coach. How did we get here? What happened? It's a great question, Gil, and I wish I had a really good answer for you, but it is pretty much a mystery because usually when you have a team that is playing extremely well and up until the end of December, I think the Kings were considered one of the top maybe five teams in the NHL, definitely top 10. Uh, And then suddenly they fell off a cliff and there was no major injury. There was no off ice scandal. Uh, There's no real rhyme or reason for it. Um, Now I, I know that, goaltender cam talbot who just participated in the all-star game has kind of dropped off a cliff a bit uh he is winless in his last 10 starts and has lost his starting job to another old veteran backup and david riddick um who's actually come in and done fairly well um but there's no one thing you can point to to say that's why um now earlier in the year the kings were having some amazing balance scoring They were getting goals from all four lines. They were not really doing much of matching up with other lines. They were just rolling out four and just letting them go. And it was, everything was clicking. And then the goals just dried up suddenly. Uh, And again, without any, you know, if if somebody would have got hurt, a really key member, Andre Kopitar gets hurt, and it has kind of a domino effect on the lineup, maybe you could say that was it. But it has not happened. They have still been almost, I mean, ridiculously healthy. Uh, it's it's it is a real mystery, and I think that's probably why they didn't make a coaching change earlier than they did. Um, they they said, "Well, this team was really good for the first month and a half. Let's let's try and have the players dig their way out of it." And it just wasn't happening. And then eventually they decided we've got to do something, and that was uh, letting go Tom McClellan. What is going to be different? under Jim Hiller what is his, how is his approach different from McClellan's that's a great question because I look I I have been calling for a coaching change for a while now and I like Todd McClellan both personally and as a coach I think he's a good coach but I feel like this team needs the shock to the system a different voice and I don't know that Jim Hiller is a different voice he's been in that room now the the pluses are he knows the players you would think he understands, he has a grasp of what the issues have been. Um, but again, if he had the answers, he probably would have shared them by now, right? He wasn't holding on to them just in case I get the job and then I could turn things around. So I don't know that it's necessarily going to be drastically different. We'll see. Um, I think the Kings are hoping that a, di- a little bit of a different voice could help. Their bye week is right out of the all-star break. So they get an extended time off to hit the reset button. And I think the one thing that a lot of Kings fans are hoping for, and I I don't think it's necessarily unrealistic, is that they are going to get back Victor Arvidsson. He's been out the entire year. It's almost like a trade deadline pickup. Uh, He will be, he's a really talented player. Uh, I don't know where he's going to slot in, maybe on the third line at this point. Uh, maybe he can help get Pierre-Luc Dubois going, which may be a question you're going to ask me. Um, but I, I think him coming back when he's been out all year and he's definitely can help on their power play is another little thing that everyone's kind of holding on to, that that can be the thing that gets him going 
again, the because the the confidence I think is still there because we've seen it. It's not like they've been struggling all year and we're hoping they can flip a switch. They were really, really good for a month and a half. And that team is still there, I would think. So they just it's it's also a confidence issue. I will say the 17 games they play where they went three, eight, and six, uh, 10 of those games were one goal games. You know, six of them obviously were shootout or overtime. So it's not like they weren't competing. I think that was another thing where why the Kings wanted to hold on to McClellan because you never got the sense the team quit on them, right? They were still competing, but it just they weren't getting the timely goal or they were having some weird thing happen to them where they allowed a bad goal. And it just kind of, you know, that thing can snowball on a team and they lose confidence and kind of that's where they are right now. Any other players that you think will benefit from this coaching change in particular? Uh, I don't know. I, I guess it depends on what Jim Hiller wants to do with the lineup, right? Uh, the Pierre-Luc Dubois thing, has he's been an enigma this year. The big offseason acquisition, you know, one of the big trades in the offseason. And he's come in and there are, I think, real explanations for why he hasn't been an impactful player. He's on the third line. I thought he would be on the second line. I thought he would be centering the second line. He's not. He's played with a rookie on one of his wings almost the entire year, and the other winger has been a rotating door of just guys who are role players. So he really hasn't got – he hasn't had an Adrian Kempe or a Trevor Moore who you might know, may or may not know is leading the Kings in goal scoring and having a terrific year. He hasn't had a Kevin Fiala. So what's really fair to Pierre-Luc Dubois? He's not getting the minutes he usually gets, and he's not playing with top-line players. So – I think there is an explanation for his lack of production. At the same time, his eye, his eye test is bad. Uh, he just has this style of play where he floats around. He doesn't really get engaged. He just kind of, you know, it's like, like a Quentin Byfield, for example, even when he was a young player who a lot of fa- Kings fans wanted to see more from, you could never question his hustle. He was always flying all over the ice. And Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't do that. So... I think there are some, to be fair to him, I think there are some real reasons why he hasn't put up the numbers and had the impact that a lot of people thought he would have. But there's also, it's also on him too, right? It's a combination of not being put in a great spot, but also not really showing any kind of passion or desire. And you can make the argument, he's got his money, eight years, $8 million, and now he's happy. So if Jim Hiller can do something with him, maybe move him to the wing, and get him out of center. Maybe you put Quentin Byfield from from the top line wing to the third line center because he's a natural center. If he can do something like that to the lineup, then he could have an impact. Uh, and, and if you can get Pierre-Luc Dubois going, that would be a big deal. So what do you think the Kings do with the trade deadline? We're about a month away. Uh, probably not much. They're up against the cap. Uh, there is one player that is a former first-round pick who has some talent, who was in Todd McClellan's doghouse. That's Arthur Kaliev. Um, he's been a healthy scratch for most of the last couple of weeks. Um, he's a guy who's still young and talented. And I think has some trade value. So, and and it's been floated out there probably through his agent to certain members of the media that he might like a change of scenery. Um, so that seems to be the one player who's young, has some value, who they might be able to get something in return for him. But I think the the Victor Arbitson edition is basically their big trade by deadline acquisition. Um, I know that at the beginning of the year, a lot was made of the goaltending. And as I mentioned, Cam Talbot has certainly dropped off a cliff. 
Um, if they do, they really want to hitch their wagon to David Riddick. That's they they could be looking to add another veteran goalie, but it's not going to be anything that's going to blow you away. It's just maybe somebody for depth, just in case. Um, so I think the team the team we see, other than the addition of Victor Arvidsson, is the team we're going to see after the trade deadline. All right. Well, should be an interesting stretch drive in L.A. Eddie, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast, where they could find you on social media? Uh, just make sure you check out Locked on L.A. Kings, because if you put in Kings, you might get a basketball team that apparently plays here in California. So Locked on L.A. Kings, wherever you get your podcast on the YouTube channel as well. And if you want to follow me, uh, you can check out uh, Locked uh, on. Actually, it's not. That's the email address at Eddie on Fox, uh, E-D-D-I-E-O-N-F-O-X. All right, Eddie. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. All right. Thanks, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or even three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58 between San Francisco and Kansas City, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the co-host, of Sens Central locked on Ottawa Senators, Brandon Pillar. And uh, Brandon, a couple of wins before the All-Star break. Senators trying to claw their way back into the playoff hunt. What's been the difference in recent games that have seen them start to accumulate some wins? Yeah, Gil, it's nice to see the Sens start to sprinkle a couple of wins into the schedule. The losses were piling up and... Uh, being at the bottom of the standings for an extended amount of time was getting old for this team. So they're they're doing their best to climb out here. But unfortunately, they got a long way to go. But recently, you, you mentioned it, they've had some success. Two straight overtime wins. I would say the thing that's really starting to work for the Sens, and it's kind of unfortunate that there's a bye week halting their momentum, is it seems like the players are starting to figure out Jacques Martin's systems, right? You go from a coach in DJ Smith that is as a, as a person much more relaxed than Jacques uh, dump and chase offense uh, hardworking physical play is what he expects out of guys playing with pace things like that whereas now with Jacques you're looking for more of a defensive structure tighter defensively hoping that that will help out the goalies who have been struggling this year in Ottawa and it has uh, seen an uptick for Uniscorp Salo at least recently and just keeping the puck out of your own net so you can build momentum with all those really talented offensive players that they do have up front. So I think when you look at Jacques Martin's first 10 games, it wasn't great for the Sens. But then when you do the split and look at his next 10 games, they're starting to figure it out and it's starting to result in some wins. Besides the goaltenders, who are some of the players who have benefited the most from the coaching change? Well, I would say I think you're looking at Tim Stutzla over time is going to benefit because everyone knows what he can do offensively, right? Like he put up big numbers last year. He's leading the team in points this year. But 
he's got some work to do on the defensive side of his game when it comes to um, being a bit more of a two-way centerman because he's their number one center. So often nights, Gil, he's going up against the top dogs on other teams. So you want to see him be able to play a bit more of a better defensive game and having someone that has the defensive focus and the wisdom that Jacques Martin has with all his experience, that's going to go a long way to help out a young centerman like Tim Stutzler. The goals against are still problematic, uh, but seem to be improving. I mean, you know, five goals against in the last two wins that you mentioned. Uh, What else is Martin doing to try to get those goals against down consistently? Well, I think that's why he was the right type of coach to come in for the interim basis, especially after DJ Smith struggled, because Everyone knows, or at least people in Ottawa, I should say, or people who are familiar with Jacques Martin, he is a defensively minded coach. And this team, when the offseason was happening and they were acquiring uh, pieces and putting everything together, Sens fans were kind of under the impression like, hey, we got a nice decor here. Like this should really help us out. But then it didn't exactly click. The defensive structure wasn't good and things like that. So Jacques Martin comes in and he starts putting a lot more focus on the defensive structure, which I think for a goalie like Uniscor Pasalo, who's kind of been the main guy here since Anton Forsberg has been hurt, that's really helped him be able to settle in a little bit more and not have to make those big acrobatic athletic saves that he's had to make, which look great. And it's awesome for the highlight reel, but if you're relying on making those crazy sprawling saves probably means you're out of position or the defense in front of you is letting really good scoring opportunities happen for their opponents. So if you can tighten up that defensive structure, which it really feels like Jacques Martin has this decor doing in turn, that should help your goalies. And we've seen in a small sample size, couple games here, Uniscore Pasal uh, start to be a little bit more successful. How about special teams? It's been an issue there, you know, in the twenties in both the PK and the power play, any changes there that you see hopefully paying some dividends? Well, Daniel Alfredson, uh, a legend in Ottawa Senators universe, uh, is the assistant coach or he's on the bench. I forget if he's assistant or associate, what the exact title is, but he's been the guy that's been in charge of the power play. And everyone knows how good of a player Alfredson was uh, back in his day. So he's been trying to get the power play going. Unfortunately, it hasn't quite worked out like they've they've gone 0 for a lot of games recently. Uh, so the power play still is struggling, but we trust in Alfie Gill. Don't worry, he's going to turn it around here eventually. But the penalty kill has been better. Low bar when you've been 32nd, 31st, or 30th, hovering around the worst penalty killing teams in the league. And often those teams that near the bottom are tanking teams, so not where you want to be when it comes to penalty killing or at all near those teams, but they've been better and that's really helped. And I think that goes along with what we were talking about earlier, where just the overall defensive structure has been better. So the penalty killing has been better and the goaltending has been better, which everyone knows goaltending is a massive, massive part of being able to successfully kill off penalties. Yeah. You always want your goalie to be one of your best penalty killers. Yeah. It, it, He's got to bail you out sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Cause someone's always open. So, uh, yeah, trade deadline is now about a month away. What do you think the senators are looking to do and how active do you think they'll be? 
It's going to be an interesting trade deadline because obviously, unfortunately, the Senators are very far away from a playoff spot. So I don't think you're going to see the executives go for a big push, especially you're not going to see a rental. But the interesting twist on this is this is finally going to be the first opportunity, first trade deadline under new owner Michael Andlauer. New general manager, Steve Steos, new senior vice president of hockey operations, Dave Poole. And like, this is a whole new brain trust for the Ottawa Senators. So I could anticipate that we see them try to put their mark on this team now that they, the old uh, group is cleaned out and they want to start making some changes. The big rumor that's been going around, Elliot Friedman has been talking about this seemingly on a daily basis. So you got to think that there's some truth to what he's saying really connected insider he's been saying that the ottawa centers have been linked to chris tanev of the calgary flames it seems he's always talking about it so there's got to be some constant communication going on there and the rumor is that calgary flames would be looking for a second round pick plus so probably plus a prospect so the ottawa centers have to decide all right that is the going price are we willing to give up some draft capital, which we need uh, in the athletic Scott Wheeler ranked the Ottawa centers prospect pool 31 out of 32 Gil, I believe you're familiar with the team that was dead last <laughs> in that. So we can, uh, we can be familiar with where our prospect pools are at. So is it worth trading a second round pick? Not going to help your prospect pool. If you're trading away high picks like that, plus a prospect. So t- taking even more away to get, a veteran blue liner that's on an expiring deal and he could be a UFA after. So I think they're sniffing around that trade, but I believe it's going to be more likely to happen if Chris Tanev is willing to sign an extension and come over. Then the Ottawa centers would feel more comfortable because they need some veteran presence on that blue line and they need a right shot defenseman. Too many lefties in that decor and it doesn't seem to be a recipe for success. Anybody who you think might be heading out of Ottawa at the deadline? That's an interesting one, too, because you look at uh, free agent signing, one-year deal, Vladimir Tarasenko at $5 million. He's having a nice season. Now, is it the Vladimir Tarasenko of old that's scoring 30 goals easily? No, not quite. He's got 13 goals, 20 assists, 33 points in 45 games, but... Plus 11. The nice thing about Tarasenko with the Senators is he's shown he's not just a goal scorer. He's not just a sniper. He's got no B game. He's been playing with a physical edge. He's been a really good playmaker that's been able to move up and down the lineup for the Sens. And it just seems like he's a guy that's fitting in with this group. Uh, I don't know, obviously not in the locker room, but chemistry wise, it seems like he's a good fit here. So hopefully I would like the Ottawa Senators to sign him to a reasonable extension, maybe three years at around similar dollar amount that he's making now, 5 million. Cause if the Ottawa centers are going to make a push, they need veteran guys like him to help them. Those young guys go through the rigors of an 82 game season and hopefully playoffs beyond which Vladimir Tarasenko Stanley cup champion, also lots of playoff experience. So that's a guy I would rather keep rather than trade away for draft picks. Cause then in the off season, you're like, okay, we traded away Vladimir Tarasenko. How do we get our hands on a Vladimir Tarasenko type now? And you already had one. So If he's willing to sign an extension, I would like for them to keep him. I think the obvious move is 
It's really unfortunate, but Dominic Kubelik simply has not worked out for the Ottawa Senators. He's found himself uh, a healthy scratch most nights. Nine goals, three assists, 12 points in 43 games. But unlike Tarasenko, the plus-minus is brutal for Kubelik, minus 20. He's mostly been on the fourth line. And again, Tarasenko has shown a B game. Kubelik, if he's not scoring, he's got a great shot. But if, if he's not scoring... He's not really contributing to this team, unfortunately. So I think you're going to see the Ottawa Senators simply move him for a late pick just to move that cap space and free up that roster space for some of the fringe players that are looking to make an impact on the NHL roster eventually. Brandon, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you and your co-host on on social media. Yeah, absolutely. So on X, uh, we are at Send Central, the Locked On Senators podcast. We're on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. And it's your team every day. You know that, Gil. So we got podcasts going on Apple, Spotify. Those are the audio ones. If you want to watch us on YouTube, we're on YouTube every day. And we just can't get enough of Ottawa Senators hockey, Gil. So we do a live show after every Ottawa Senators hockey, we call it the postcast. We always get the chat engaged and you get our immediate reaction to any Sens game, which with the way the Sens are, we could be joyful or absolutely miserable. So tune in to find out which one of those happens after the Sens games on the postcast on YouTube. Never a dull moment with you guys. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. My pleasure. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. I want to thank my guests. I want to thank Dave Marasuti of Locked On Leafs. Eddie Garcia of Locked On LA Kings and Brandon Pillar of Locked On Senators for joining me today. I'm Gil Martin. I host the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I also co-host the Friday show with Rachel Donner. Don't forget, everydayers, we are here every Monday through Friday bringing you the biggest stories from around the National Hockey League. So make sure you join us for that. Stay safe, everybody. Have a great day, and thanks for listening to and watching the Locked On NHL podcast.